As Reuben said, the reading this morning is from 1 Peter chapter 5, the first five verses. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favour to the humble. Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, great to uh, great to see you all, and uh, great to be together here as we worship our God again, friends. Um, You know, a few short years ago, uh, none of us would have had any clue uh, about Volodymyr Zelensky. Uh, But now, I'm sure that most of us have not only heard of him and know about him, but also have respect for him. And why is that? Well, because he was president of Ukraine at the time of the Russian invasion, and because In this terrible war, he has proven himself to be an incredibly strong leader. He's a smart strategist, a capable communicator, a man of great courage. But he's also a leader who cares deeply for his people and passionately strives to guide and to protect them. The example of Volodymyr Zelensky reminds us of the vital importance of good leadership especially in times of trouble. And that's exactly what Peter's reminding us of in this passage that we're looking at today. For he's been telling us about difficult times for God's people, about grief and trials and abuse. He's been preparing us for escalating opposition and persecution. And as Reuben preached last week, he's urging us to suffer with joy. For we should not be surprised. We are not alone. And this is not in vain. But now Peter also reminds us that at all times, but especially in times like these, the church needs good, strong leadership. So as we look at these verses today, we're considering five questions in total. First, what's the leadership structure that God establishes for his church? Second, what's the task of God's leaders? Third, how does God want his leaders to do this task? Fourth, why would anyone even want to be a leader in God's church? And finally, how should the rest of us respond to God's leaders? So we begin today by asking, what is the leadership structure that God establishes in his church? 
Well, we see this in the very first words of chapter 5. The Lord rules his people through those he calls elders. So what can we say about that? Well, first of all, this word elder can be used in two ways. It can simply describe someone who is older. But it can also describe, as it does here, a specific role or office within the church given to someone who is mature in faith. Now, often age and maturity will overlap, but not always. Also, the mention of elders reminds us that there should be leaders in the church. Some disagree with this and promote a congregational approach where every task and every decision belongs to the church as a whole. But clearly, that's not God's plan. Then, if we think more widely, we find that in the New Testament, it uses various words to describe this role. As well as elders, they are referred to as overseers, bishops and pastors. These terms are interchangeable. So here at Riverbank, we have two pastors, Reuben and myself. But we're actually elders, just elders set aside to devote more time to our task. Other parts of the New Testament, like 1 Timothy chapter 3, also make it clear <clears throat> that this role is given to spiritually mature men. Now that's an uncomfortable truth in this day and age, and I'm not going to enter into it today, but it's important that we're aware of what God says. So now coming back to our text, the very next thing that's obvious is that these elders are also local. He said, Peter says, they're the elders among you. <clears throat> I believe that this speaks against that form of church government that is based on hierarchy, on various levels of authority outside of the local church who make decisions from afar. You may know that in our denomination, we have a statewide classis and a national synod, but yet these are not hierarchy, but they are forums of agreed support and cooperation. We always maintain that the highest authority remains in the local church and the local elders. However, Peter also makes it clear that these elders are plural. He speaks not of the elder, but the elders, a group of men leading the church together. This also warns us about that form of church leadership that is all based around one person, a single or senior pastor who calls all of the shots. God knows that no one has the wisdom or the strength to lead on their own. And so he gives multiple elders to work in a team. Another thing that Peter reveals is that these leaders are equal. Did you notice how he doesn't refer to himself here as an apostle, even though he rightly could? But rather, he says, I appeal as a fellow elder. Even Peter himself, though given such a vital and unique task, he didn't see himself as more important than the rest. And so in God's church, no elder or pastor is any more, has any more significance or authority than any others. They, there'll be varying levels of wisdom, experience and ability, but at the end of the day, they're all on equal footing. But that brings us to the final element of God's leadership structure. 
We've seen that he wants his people ruled by groups of men called elders, including pastors in every local church, sharing that role equally. But Peter also shows us that they lead under the ultimate head of the church, Jesus Christ. Elders are shepherds, which we'll get to in a moment. But in verse 4, he calls Jesus the chief shepherd. And so elders lead, not in their own right, but in his authority, according to his will, and most importantly, in his wisdom and in his strength. This isn't our church. This is the body and the bride of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the chief shepherd. He is the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. But elders are called to be his under-shepherds, caring for his flock. So what's this look like at Riverbank? Well, we've had a few technology problems this morning. We were going to put something up on the screen, but I'm guessing we're not. Uh, so uh, we're just going to have to use our imaginations here. No, in fact, we'll go one better. I'll get them to stand up. So who are our elders here at Riverbank? Well, there's Reuben Capel. Please stand, Reuben. I think you know him. There's Duncan Cook. There's Bill DeYoung. There's me. I'm already standing. There's Dwayne Kerrison. Is Dwayne here this morning? There's Rob Petruspa. There's Simon Petruspa. There's Haya Van Dongen, he'll be here tonight. There's Tony Van Donsler. There's Sean Vidal. I'm guessing Sean stayed in Hobart after challenge. There's John Wagoner. My friends, these, these are our elders. These are the people who lead this church. They're not self-appointed, but they've been nominated and elected by you. But we believe that in that very process, they've also been called by the Lord. Thanks, guys. You can sit down. Don't look so unhappy. (laughs) And so as we continue in this passage, we need to remember that in our context, it applies to these 11 men. So now to our second question. What is the task of God's leaders? Well, Peter states that very clearly in verse 2. He says, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Elders are like shepherds, looking after a flock of sheep, not their own, but God's. And they're called to care for that flock and to watch over them. But what's that really involve? Well, we first need to understand that this care that we are speaking about is a spiritual care. Elders are not called to get involved in your material needs. There are times when the church will do that, but that is why God in his wisdom, also calls women and men to serve as deacons. Their role is to physically help the poor, the sick and the needy, and to encourage all of us to care for each other in these ways. But elders, on the other hand, are called to care for the well-being of your souls, to tend to your faith, to concern themselves with your holiness, to encourage you in your witness. And how? Well, by performing the tasks of a shepherd. A literal shepherd had to know his sheep and feed them, had to lead them and protect them from predators, had to care for those who struggled and chase down those who strayed. And so it is with elders. Our task is to pray for this church and to teach the word of God. 
Our task is to provide spiritual nourishment and discipleship to this congregation and beyond. We do that here on a Sunday in our worship services. We do it in growth groups and in growth partnerships. We do it in visits and in other pastoral contacts when we welcome those who are new, encourage those with troubles, plead with those who are throwing away their faith. We do it by appointing gifted staff members and through the various ministries that we oversee. And we do it in our efforts to reach the lost with the gospel. Elders are also called to manage the affairs of the church, to plan, to set vision and make decisions, to organise and supervise all of our activities. But in all of this, we are constantly guided by God's word. In all of this, we focus on promoting God's truth and guarding against error. In all of this, we are directed by our vision 2030, which we believe is a proper summary of our calling to love God, to love our community, and to love our church. Friends, we could have a perfectly organised, incredibly trendy, and even a vastly growing church here at Riverbank, but yet be utterly worldly and far away from the Lord. But the important calling of elders is to make sure that that does not happen. Elders are called to look after the spiritual health of the church and all of its members. Elders are called to focus on the salvation that can be found in Christ alone and to make sure that every one of us is growing in faith and in hope and in love, in obedience and in service and in witness. As a result, you may not always like the things that we say and do, the decisions we make and the message we bring, for your priorities may be different. But as elders, we're not actually called to be popular, but we're called to lead God's church according to God's will as shepherds of his flock. But now our third question is how Does God want his leaders to do their task? Well, Peter mentions three vital attitudes in verses 2 and 3, and each of those has a don't and a do. Peter says, shepherd God's flock, not because you must, but because you are willing. This tells us that no elder should ever serve under compulsion, from a sense of duty or of guilt. Trust me, an unwilling elder we are better off without. I'd rather lead with three who are keen than with 20 who are not. But my friends, I'm so glad that I'm able to say that I have worked alongside many willing elders, including those I work alongside right now. And my friends, let me tell you, they are an enormous blessing and their enthusiasm fills my heart with joy. But this is also relevant as we look for new elders for next year. Men in this congregation are soon going to be approached and asked to consider this task. But be reminded this morning, men, if you're not really willing, then don't say yes. Someone serving out of obligation is a burden and not a blessing. But there's also a sting in the tail here because Peter says, serve because you're willing 
as God wants you to be. My brothers, the Lord's desire is that you are willing. So if you're not, then I challenge you this morning to ask yourself why. You know, my friends, there's not a church in this country that isn't struggling to find leaders. But why is that? Well, some men can't serve for legitimate reasons, like health or age or unsuitable gifts. But that's not always the case, is it? There are too many Christian men in the church today who are immature in their faith and happy to stay that way. There are too many who are tied up in worldly commitments and always are too busy. There are too many who are lazy and unwilling to sacrifice for the Lord. My friends, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if there was an abundance of men who are keen and enthusiastic to lead in God's church? Well, why not, when that's exactly what God wants us to be? However, Peter moves on to another attitude when he says, shepherd God's flock, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. It seems in those days, elders often handled the church's finances and as a result had the opportunity to profit dishonestly. Thankfully, that's not the case for us. But that doesn't change the underlying principle, which is that that someone could go into eldership with selfish motives. They may want to draw attention to themselves or feel important. They may want to have power and control or to, to change things to suit their own desires. Peter says, don't go into eldership with a desire to gain, but to give. Don't go into eldership with selfish motives, but for the sake of the church, eager to serve. After all, was that not the attitude demonstrated by Jesus, the chief shepherd, becoming a servant, even washing his disciples' feet, even giving his own life on the cross for us? That is the attitude that God seeks. But there's one more described when Peter says, shepherd God's people, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. My friends, if you think that being an elder is about being in charge, telling people what to do, being the boss, well, then you've got it all wrong. And any leader who takes that attitude will not last long. Being an elder is about leading in love and leading by example. Eldership isn't a matter of do what I say, but not what I do. That's why in 1 Timothy and in Titus, we find extensive lists of the character qualities that an elder should have, for they are called to model the Christian life, not perfectly, but sincerely, calling others to follow, just as they follow Christ. So how does God want his leaders to do their task? Not because you must, but because you're willing. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over others, but being examples to the flock. My friends, the church that has elders who strive for these attitudes will be a church that is led well. But that brings us to our fourth question. Why would anyone want to be a leader in God's church? And that's a very good question. 
I mean, for a start, Peter's calling on elders to serve in a time of increasing opposition, not dissimilar to our own. And if Christians suffer, then their leaders will suffer all the more. On top of that, the decision to take on eldership is a decision to take on a lot of hard work and responsibility that you could otherwise avoid. And on top of that, Peter says we should do it all with a willing attitude of of selfless servanthood. So why would anyone do it? Well, think about verse 1. There, Peter describes himself as a fellow elder, but also as a witness of Christ's sufferings. A witness of Christ's sufferings. Now, there's two sides to this phrase. First, Peter reminds us that he is a witness of Christ's suffering, his relentless suffering in life, horrendous suffering in death, painful suffering in his body, unspeakable suffering in his soul. And why did Christ suffer? Well, he suffered for you and he suffered for me to pay the debt of our sin to make us right with our God. So how then could we not be willing to suffer for him, even the suffering of eldership? But in these very same words, Peter reminds us that he's also a witness to Christ's suffering, that he is called to preach the good news, that salvation can be found in the cross of Jesus for all who repent and trust in him. And so Peter played a part in God's glorious plan to rescue people from sin and from death and from hell. But as elders, we're part of that very same glorious plan. We're not in the business of running events and going to meetings and drinking coffee. We're in the business of saving souls and preparing them for eternal life. And so how could we not be ready to suffer for a cause such as this? But as if that wasn't already enough, Peter says at the end of verse 1 that he will also share in the glory to be revealed. And then in verse 4, having called elders to shepherd God's flock, he says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Is it worth it to serve as an elder? Ah, you bet it is. For our toil will not go unnoticed. Our suffering will not be ignored. For our Lord Jesus is coming back and he will bring his reward to those who faithfully serve a crown of glory that will never, ever fade away. And so if you've served as an elder in the past or are doing so right now or maybe you're thinking about it for the future and you're wondering if the sacrifice is really worth it, well then I urge you to remember these words. But there's now one last question to address and that question is how should the rest of us respond to God's elders? Because let's be honest, my friends, we live in a society today where those who lead and rule and have authority are often despised. And on top of that, we know that our pastors and our elders are far from perfect. 
And so we may well respond to them badly. We may well say, well, well, who do you think you are calling yourself a shepherd and calling me a sheep? Who do you think you are preaching and teaching, proclaiming right and wrong, telling me what to do? Who do you think you are setting up hoops for me to jump through and questioning my life? I assure you, we hear responses like this all the time. But in verse 5, Peter says, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Now, without going into detail, let's just say that that word younger can also be understood not just in terms of age, but as a reference to those who are not elders. In other words, the rest of the church. And so Peter says we should submit ourselves as the church to our elders. You might recall that earlier in this book, Peter called us to submit to every human authority in government and in employment and in marriage. For all these things are part of God's design, instituted by him to provide order. And so we should submit, Peter said, for the Lord's sake. But now he also applies this very same principle in the church. The leading of elders is God's design instituted by him to provide order and so we should submit for the sake of the Lord. Now this does not mean accepting everything that pastors and elders say and do without question. I mean if the teachings or the actions are unbiblical then we must call them out. But this does, but this does mean that if God has called elders who seek to serve to the best of their ability with sincerity in their hearts, with love for his people, and in accordance with his, the word, then we should respect them, we should support them, we should cooperate with them, and we should appreciate them. Do you know what happens when that is not the case? That's when there's gossip and malicious talk, grumbling, complaining and criticising, factions and divisions. That's when the work of the Spirit is stifled and the devil goes to town and the church goes downhill. My friends, don't submit to your elders because they're perfect, for they're not. Don't submit because they always say what you want to hear, because they, because they can't. Don't submit because they always do what you want, because they won't. But submit to them because that is God's will, His design for a healthy church. But let's not forget the last part of verse 5. Peter says, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favour to the humble. And you know, this is where the whole package comes together. Peter calls all of us, including elders, to clothe ourselves with humility. If there's pride in the leadership of the church, then things will not go well. If there's pride in the membership of the church, then things will not go well. But my friends, with humble leaders and with humble followers, the church will be strong. And how important is that as we face tougher times ahead? You know, it's a beautiful picture, my friends, but also a very important picture. We began thinking today about Volodymyr Zelensky, an example of leadership in difficult times. 
But how much more don't we in the church of God need strong leadership right now? So let's be clear about the structure that God has established. A group of men called elders who lead the local church equally sharing that role in submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's understand the task that they have to shepherd the congregation, loving them and caring for the spiritual well-being of, of all who are under their care. Let's remember the attitudes they should have for this task, doing it willingly, serving the people, being examples to the flock. Let's consider why people would do this task as difficult as it can be. Because we follow in the footsteps of our Saviour, because we want to make and grow disciples for our Saviour, and because one day our Saviour will come back and he will welcome us into glory. And my friends, finally, let us be committed to responding rightly to our elders in godly submission as we all live together in humility. This, my friends, is the picture of a strong church, with strong leadership, which can weather the storms, that can suffer for the Lord with joy. May we strive to be this church at Riverbank. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord God and loving Father, we want to pray for the elders of this church. Lord, we thank you for them, and we ask you to strengthen them, to equip them with much wisdom and with motivation to do their task and to do it well for you. Lord, fill them with love for your people. Lord, fill them with a desire to serve in every way they can. Lord, we want to pray this morning as we consider nominations and eventually an election for new elders for this church. Lord, I pray that we would find men who are willing, willing to serve, men who seek not to lord it over others, but to be an example to the flock. Father, men who are not pursuing their own ends, but who want to serve you. And Lord God, we pray that as a whole church here at Riverbank, that we might increasingly reflect the things that we have seen in, in 1 Peter 5 this morning. Lord, we pray that we might indeed be a, a congregation of humble leaders and humble followers. And Lord, that together we might know clearly in our hearts what is most important, that we would indeed be your people, serving you, trusting in Jesus, growing in holiness and spreading the gospel. Father God in heaven, we pray, please work in us here at Riverbank. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.